the USL show, also known as The View for Soccer. I gave a very pro wrestling heel turn, I'm sorry you were offended apology. The US military discussing what a Naruto run is for the Area 51 raid. I feel angry. Welcome, everybody, to the USL show. We have a special guest, Mark Cartwright. He is the new USL sporting director uh, for the league. It's a new position. And, uh, Mark, I'm really excited to talk to you today because this is kind of the stuff I'm, I'm super excited about for the USL's future. You're kind of leading the way with the fun stuff, in my opinion. How are you do- doing today, first of all, though? I'm very good, thank you, uh, Phil. It's uh, It's been good to finally get here. This, it's been a long process with... Uh, with visas and and of course the pandemic hasn't helped with trying to get flights um but no it's it's great it's um like i say you know it, it's it's great to be here it's great to sort of learn and understand more about the league and and the clubs and and i'm i'm really excited about the role absolutely yeah uh, why don't actually before we go any further can you kind of describe your role as as you see it at least cool um how long have you got a long podcast the um, best thing about them is we can go all day if you want (laughs) (laughs) so the the sporting director role um you know covers the whole the whole array of the sporting side of a club of the league so it will be from uh structures processes uh, recruitment uh, best practices you know uh academies player development coach development um you know in, improving the competitive competitiveness of the league um so it's 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 a vast vast um role with with lots of different facets to it which which is what makes the role so enjoyable if you once you get into it yeah absolutely the um let's start with your your background because you are specifically built perfectly to do this kind of stuff and so let's just start from the beginning. Can you, you know, no shortcuts, it's fine. Take as long as you want. Tell us about all the things you've done because it's a long list here. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, uh, I went to university here. Um, I went to university and won the national championships in, in Florida, at Florida Institute of Technology as it was then. Hmm. That, um, that then developed me as a person uh to be able to go back to england and and become a professional um so i had a professional career in england for you know several teams for about 10 11 years before before the knees gave way and and uh you know i I was having operation after operation and it it was time to call it quits Uh, and from there you know i didn't know what direction to go in uh which most professional athletes don't when their career comes crashing to an end um, you know, I, I wasn't particularly, uh, even though I did go down a coaching role at a semi-professional team in England, I, I veered off slightly and, and went down the agency route um, because obviously I knew a lot of players. Um, joined a, I did that on my own for a while, got to know several 
people throughout the world, you know, grew a network, which was, which was vital. I didn't know it at the time, but it was vital for me in the future. And, and from there I got, uh, I got into a company called Bezix, who the USL, you know, know quite well. Uh, and, and that really raised my profile with as an agent within the game. Um, and we started doing bigger and better deals and, and, and growing the business there. And we, we also started working with United Soccer League um, through Gary Mallet. And, and I think he, you know, he got to know Alec uh, when Alec bought the league. And, and that's a relationship that he's been continuing. Uh, but at one point, uh, you know, Stoke City, the chairman of Stoke City kept asking Gary who his best agent was. Uh, and Gary, to be fair to him, kept, kept saying it was it was myself. And then they, they created the role of um, technical director, which in England, the technical director is the same as a sporting director, as a director of football. Um, so they were creating that role because they had very limited knowledge of the European markets, the worldwide markets. They were very much only buying players within their marketplace, which was obviously the Premier League, and that is a very expensive place to to buy your players. So the owners were were funding, um, you know, a, a big chunk of cash each year to, to keep the club going. So obviously, I went into Stoke, and it was to to make Stoke more of a global force, um, which we which we did. You know, we brought in some amazing players. Um, and and really, you know, really moved the, the club in in that respect. From that, from the work I did at Stoke, um, I was invited by the English FA to to take part in the the level four talent identification identification course, um, which I did. I completed, um, you know, with people like Steve Walsh, who won the Premier League with Leicester at the time, Kevin Thelwell who's now at, um, who was at Wolves, who's now at New York Red Bulls. Uh, so it was, a, it was a good group. And then from my participation in that and from the work I was doing at Stoke, the, um, the technical director, Dan Ashworth, and um, a guy called Mike Rigg were building the, their, their sort of elite course, which was the level five, which was the technical director's course. Um, so they invited me on that with a handful, probably about 10 of us to, they had the platform, they just needed to mould the modules, what what should a technical director know uh, and what should he be doing and, and how do we teach them that. So we, we sort of built that, um, put the modules together and then they rolled it out the, the following year. Um, when I left Stoke, I was then invited to become a consultant on the course, which I've been doing for the last 18 months um and that's you know again it's, it's sharing the knowledge you've got with the up and coming the next up and coming technical directors sporting directors being a, a mentor you know giving them um the ability to pick the phone up to somebody and not feel under pressure about you know them being under pressure because i've been there i've done it i've seen the good the bad and the ugly side of the game um so yeah so that, that that's still ongoing um before the pandemic, you know, I, I flew uh, across to Switzerland to sit down with FIFA and, and be on a, a panel with them about the future game. So, you know, it was like everybody, everything was going great. And then the pandemic hit. Mm. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things about what you said there. So you were... Uh 
consultant and mentor for the FAs, you know, the level four and level five of, of the uh, identification program. That's interesting that you worked for the EFA in that regard. Um, how did the EFA, you weren't part of the EFA, but obviously you talked to them a lot based on this. How did they view um, player movements within England? Because in like what Stoke was doing, reaching out to foreign players, I, I think there was some pushback at some point and probably from time to time on bringing in so many foreign players to the Premier League, of course. Um, so how did the FA view your role and what you were bringing to their to their uh to the program um, well because when you're the sports director of a club you also you have overarching control of the academy as well so they could also see we were we were bringing british players into the academy and through the academy um you know stoke stoke have literally just um sold a player you know that we paid i think twenty-five thousand euros for him and they've just sold him for an excess of 15 million pounds to, to the premier league so you know, we had we had young English players in the the age groups, so they knew that it what we weren't a club that was just buying foreign players. You know, we were trying to develop young British players as well, and they understand because Dan Ashworth was at West Brom, who were in the Premier League, so he understood mm. that you have to you have to sit on both sides of the fence when you're in a club. Obviously. When you're just on the FA side, it's all about developing young British talent. When you're on the club side, it's staying in the Premier League, you know, creating a um, revenue stream through buying players, developing them, and selling them on because you, you know, you're not a top six club. Um, so the, the FA were very aware of what you were doing, um, and all they wanted was an open dialogue with clubs so they could you know, talk to the clubs. So that there used to be a disconnect between the clubs and the FA. And then I think these courses have helped reconnect them um, because, you know, when players were going away for international duty and coming back in, back injured or clubs weren't letting them go on international duty because they're saying they were injured and then the player played the next game, you know, there was a, there was a clash of heads at times. And I think, you know, Dan, because he knew both sides of the fence, managed to connect the two together so the English clubs are trying to develop the best talent they can, but they also have to continue trying to maintain what is widely known as the best league in the world. So to do that, you can't just fill it full of English talent. You have to bring in better talent from throughout the world. And and it, it's a fine balance, but I think, you know, that they're getting there. You know, as we're seeing in the Euros, there's a lot of young English players playing in the team. So I think, you know, Dan, Dan started that process, then Les Reed took over, and then um, I forget the name of the new guy, but, uh, you know, they're, they're continuing that. And, and Gareth Southgate's doing a great job developing these young players and putting them on that, that platform on the, on the highest levels. Yeah, it's been fun to watch. Um, one thing you didn't mention, you might have been humble here, uh, but when you were at Stoke City... This was in one of the articles I think the USL put out actually about you that you um, increased the value of its squad assets of the player assets by more than 300% over a four year period and recruit yeah. profits more than 50 million pounds from player sales revenue over a two year period. That's incredible. And I imagine that's going back to when you were talking about um, what came in handy about all the networking you were able to do early in your career. Yeah, and 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 listen, you know that was uh, the marketplace also increased, so players increased in value. But we were still, 
Um, so if I give you an example, we signed uh, Marco Arnautovic for, at the time, was was two and a half million pounds, um, which you know isn't a huge amount of money for a Premier League club. But we then sold him, I think, three years later or four years later for twenty five million pounds. You know, we, we signed um, players like, you know, uh, Mark Muniesa from Barcelona. We got him on a free transfer and sold him, you know, probably four years later for £5 million. So little things like that increasing. You know, and as the marketplace increased, you know, we we had to pay um, a large six-figure payment to... Um, to a club for for taking one of their younger players that went to a tribunal, but that younger player now is probably worth 20, 25 million pounds. So it's, you know, at the time Stoke had a very, very British squad. And, you know, if that came at a premium and we started looking at clever free transfers at players that were were good players, but they weren't playing at their clubs, so they were they were readily available at a lower price. You then, you know, if you then have the right coach in place and you develop that that player again, you know that that increases the value of the asset. And and you know, players are players are assets. They're not mm-hmm. um, just a liability on the spreadsheet. You know, th- these guys have got value, and and obviously the marketplace is already set in Europe. It's it's already there, and I think there's a real opportunity here to to set the marketplace in 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 america certainly for the usl and you know to 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 start generating income streams for for our clubs yeah listeners i hope you're hearing there are a lot of little points that we're going to try to bring back here so um you know hits on a lot of good stuff but we're going to hammer it home a little later first i'd like to kind of ask about as an Englishman who's um, dabbled in the United States market, it sounds like already, um, what is the view of U.S. soccer in 2021 um, from an English perspective? Well, I think the the landscape has vastly improved over the, the last seven to ten years. Um, and America has masses of talent um, that have the the pure potential that is needed. You know, so if you if you're looking in if you're in in England and you're looking at an American player, you know they'll have athleticism, they'll have strength, they'll have speed, they'll have endurance, and they'll also have a good mentality. And they are, you know, five of the key points that you need for a good player and for a player to a settle but also to kick on. So in terms of raw potential. You know, this this country's got absolutely everything. And I think it's moving forward on the world marketplace at a huge, huge rate of knots. So I think in that, in that um, matter, I think respect for the leagues have, have gone through the roof. You know, so if you ask me what's the view in 2021, it's a, it's a highly respectful look at the leagues and it's also looking at the landscape knowing that, you know the players are here. You know, and um, clubs clubs are looking closely at the American market now. Yeah, is there anything that you think you know, on the grand scale? We'll focus on USL in just a second here, but on a grand U.S. soccer scale, do you think scale? Do you think there's anything holding us back? It's not. It seems like we want to open the floodgates. It's not quite there yet, right? Is there anything you can see holding us back? Um, 
Listen, the only things that hold players back um, is themselves or, you know, they're not getting the relevant coaching. So, you know, I've not been here long enough to to be able to say it's the coaching or it's the players. But, you know, usually it's a combination of both. Um, And it's also one vital key component that players need is opportunity. Um, so they need to be at a club where there's a clear pathway through to the first team to get the opportunity to experience that environment and then and then push forward. And and once they you know, once they're in that first team environment and pushing forward, then the club has an opportunity to you know to to utilize the asset value of these players and bring the next one through. You know, it's called it's succession planning and, and that's what you know clubs have really got to get their heads around, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's focus in on the USL, actually, and we'll bring back some of that stuff as well. Um, let's focus on the USL. You're coming in ground level as far as starting as a sporting director. Where do you see the USL now as far as all of those, like, player movement and value and assets and things like that? I think, I think, that, I think it's here. Um, you know, the players are here. I talk about the, uh, the KPIs of the players, you know, and, and each team has got these. Um, you know, I've, I've followed this league over the years um, through personal contacts and, you know, I've seen how it's developed. And, I, and I, whilst I can't give you the exact strategies and processes that I'm you know, going to bring in, hopefully bring into play. Um, but, you know, if, if we can focus on accelerating player development and, and accelerating the competitiveness of the league and getting the league firmly entrenched into the global marketplace then you know i think that they're they're the key key points absolutely yeah um so what do you think what are some of the things you're going to do first that some of the first original goals you have for the league the second you came in you said i want to do this and this and this and it was pretty obvious and clear that you wanted to do that um <laughs> that's it i'm going to give you a politically swerving answer on that one absolutely (laughs) until um i've managed to sort of present to the board of governors um you know throughout the leagues with what i think you know needs we need to be doing how we need to get there you know i I think uh, until i've done that it's i can't really share those those thoughts but you know I, i will go back to you know, accelerating development of players, you know, improving the standards on the pitch in the league and, and you know, really getting us, you know, into the global marketplace. I think they're, 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 some, they're three key key aspects that I'm, I'm going to be working on. But, you know, in terms of actually the nitty gritty and, and getting deeply into it, I, I, can't, I can't say too much. Absolutely. So I'll just kind of name some things um, that I think the league has done well. And then perhaps I'll name some things that they've done badly. And um, we'll just kind of have a conversation. Um, I think, um, and of course, I don't want to force you into anything. So I'll give you all the freedom you want in that regard. Um, But let's talk about the academy. Some things that we've gotten the academy going a little bit before you got here. That's something if it wasn't here, I'm sure you would have dug right into, I imagine. Um, the player, the level of play has increased every year, I think, in the USL as well as MLS. So um, those are some things that are looking very positive for if you are coming in trying to get the market jump started. Um, those are some things that perhaps are in your favor, right? Oh, no, absolutely. Listen, the, the, the platforms that are in place have are absolutely great. You know, like, like you say, the academy platform is in place now. You know, that will help with player development. Uh, not just for the clubs, but also for the United States. 
Um, and then you've got you've now got pathways from the academy through to first team. So, you know, it's a, it's a proper platform that is in place now, and that will only improve the standards throughout the league. So, I think the people that you know have, have built all that already have done a remarkable job, and and the clubs have done a remarkable job as well. So, you know, it's just I, I think everybody is at that really amazing moment in time where you know it it can really push on to another level yeah and a couple other positives that came to mind as you said that was you know orange county's um partnership with the rangers of course seems to be really fruitful for them both ways which is really mm-hmm. nice to see that they're sending players american players as well as accepting uh, scottish players and other nationalities of course um san antonio was able to send christian pirano away it was on a free but you know they're producing talent and young talent at a pretty high pace as well so and there are lots of clubs starting to do that more and more throughout the country can you just comment a little bit on on some of those things that you've seen throughout the league well that, that, that's exactly it you know i mean these clubs are are developing players they've got um the structures in place they've got a clear vision of what they want to do um and it's it was only going to be a matter of time before Europe started noticing that and wanting to connect, wanting to link up and wanting to, you know, take the players. And, and what we've got to do is rather than players leaving on a free, we've now got to make sure that they're, they're being sold for market value. Um, and then that justifies exactly what the San Antonios of this world are, are doing in terms of, you know, their processes and structures that are in place. Yeah. Um, those are some of the positive things for sure. Some of the challenges as a fan, these are some things that I think I think about and I'm probably going to miss some things. Um, but I think about USL players not getting the opportunity from the domestic league above, above them. As far as, you know, we've only seen a couple players leaving at a time. It seems like for twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. On the global market, for a league our size, perhaps that's good, perhaps that's bad. I don't know, maybe you can answer that, but... I imagine that's a challenge of you, for you is, you know, the domestic league doesn't seem to value its second tier. Yeah, and, and that's where we were t- I was talking earlier about setting the marketplace. I, I think mm-hmm. uh, domestically players are massively undervalued. Um, so I think going back probably seven or eight years now when, when Austin sold, I think, and you, you may have to just double check, I think they sold – might have been Eddie Jennings to the MLS for about a hundred thousand dollars, you know, and that was seven years ago. So really, what you should have seen that that should have been the benchmark, and then you know, because he was top scorer, I think. Um, and you know, that once you set that benchmark, then it can only grow from there. And I think we've got to we've got to get back to that because I think internally for both first team players and academy players it's it's too low and and, you know we've got to we've got to address that for the sake of our clubs yeah and another way to go about it you know i just talked to dan agner who was the the gm for uh real monarchs and real salt lake the other day he's now an agent and so you guys have similarities in that way and um he was talking about how he was able to send a player to the lower tiers of Europe, say in Scandinavia, and that perhaps that would be a good place to find buyers. You know, you mentioned how um, at Stoke and in the English FA that, that you guys needed to find better value and you had to go outside your own league to do that. You almost seems like we need to do a reverse version of that is find a place to sell USL players on maybe for um, a sell-on fee as well. Um, 
down the road so that perhaps they can land in a, in a higher league later for bigger money and maybe make that the pipeline. Is that something you've looked into or you maybe? Yeah, listen, I mean, when we talk about opening the league to the global marketplace, that's exactly what we're talking about is, um, you know, if, if the players are here, you know, we'll be able to see the level and the standard that they should be going to, whether it's the Bundesliga two or whether it's even the Bundesliga. Mm. Um, you know, but initially I think where, you know, where clubs will make the, the bigger money is, is like you say, on, on a sell-on, you know, send them somewhere for them to be recognised and sold on. So if you went to the Bundesliga two, for example, the way that way it works over there, you have to you only have to have one good season, and a, a big Bundesliga team will be will be snatching you up. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's 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 opening these things, it's opening the gates, and then letting the talent you know go through the gates. And and like I said to you before, I think the talent is here, and you know sometimes players need to leave to develop to to you know then affect the national team and it's it's the you know that that could be the route that it, some of these american players have to take you know some of them will develop and go to the mls or some of them will stay where they are or be sold to you know they, but for whichever route they go they're they're an asset to their mm. to their club yeah i think i think in the you know especially with your hiring and the aim that you have and the league has you know i'm uh, as a fan, I'm looking forward to the day that we have a guy that bypasses MLS, moves to a foreign league, perhaps buys, is bought by another club because he performs, performs so well. And before you know it, I imagine he's playing for the national team and to some extent. That's my dream, right? But that's definitely within reach, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think, you know, listen, it's not going to be long before you see that happening. That's for yeah. sure. You know, um, I know there's been a player from this league go go to Bayern Munich for a trial. You know, uh, there's a there's a player from this league going to La Liga for a potential transfer. So the, it's it's happening, you know, and we just want to accelerate that. And by by doing that, and for by other players seeing that this is what can happen, then automatically you will attract another standard of player, which again then brings the level of the players up another notch. You know, so it's it's all a circle, and it's all you know something that you can plan for, and we can develop, and we can we can push out. Yeah, one of the, and I'm sorry if I keep making you repeat yourself. A, a lot of it is just specificity um, for someone who maybe isn't following you well enough in me. <laughs> but um, it seemed like one of the other challenges that you might have is in building this infrastructure of the pipeline is setting a price. And you kind of covered that with the MLS not valuing us, but you know, it seems like it might be a challenge to tell even a Scandinavian league, well, this is what his talent level is, and this is how much he's worth. They won't believe you, perhaps, because there's not a lot of examples of that, right? And so we need more of those examples, or I don't know. You're you're also, you have lots of um, friends and, and other agents in the area, so maybe it'll be easier for you, right? <laughs> well, it's, um, you know, listen, I, I don't know every single sporting director at every single club, but I've certainly got a big, <laughs> long, black book of names. Um, yeah. And so I know what a Bundesliga team would pay for uh, an 18, 19, 20-year-old child, you know, child, player. Um, <laughs> you know, that I'm showing my age there. Um, but, you know, so I know what they would pay if they went to try and get somebody from England, from France, from Spain, from Denmark, from Holland. And, you know, that shouldn't be any different if they then come and get a player from America. You know, yes, initially it may be that it's slightly lower 
um, until the marketplace sees the talent that is available and then it will grow. So, you know, but you have to take baby steps sometimes. You have to start start the process and then it'll grow and it'll grow and it'll grow. And before you know it, you know, you are getting realistic and fair prices for your players. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love how it's just mathematical for you. I think as a, an American lower tier soccer fan, I just have all of these fears of like thing, us not being appreciated and us never being recognized. And um, it seems very like you do this, you do this, you do this, and it's going to work out. It's just common sense that they would buy our players. I love that. It sounds like you have confidence in our league. Um, something interesting that popped up recently, and since I have you on the show, I want to kind of ask you about MLS Next and um, MLS, the new third division that's being developed in, in the United States, um, and how that might be something that kind of gets in your way, perhaps, perhaps not. Um, how do you see that addition of yet another league, third-tier league in the United States, affecting the USL? Um, well, I think, you know, we're, we're probably on a on – a, bigger scale you know you'd be supportive of the mls starting a reserve league because the more pathways there are for american soccer the better it is you know um i think the usl has matured and evolved way beyond that um and it's not the place for the mls to use anymore for play development you know the usl you know teams are now building community clubs you know they're building real fan bases that are going to be there you know the kids are going to be there and it's just going to continue to evolve and grow and and they want to win games they want to develop their own local talent and i think you know that's the future of this league regardless of what you know the mls doing a reserve league or trying to start their own academy that you know these different structures you know if you think about it this country as a whole is as big as europe you know and there are how many leagues in Europe? You know, each country probably has one, two, or three. Yeah. You know, so it's a big enough country to support. You know, the, the leagues uh, within it, but um, you know, they're, they're different structures. You know, our, our structure, you know, is a bit of a a European model. You know, the clubs own the players. You know, the yeah. league doesn't own the players. The clubs own the players, and that is, um, for me, that is a massive, massive advantage. Um, going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, for instance, selling them on is going to be less difficult. Uh, we've seen challenges with them. But also, you know, you don't have um, the problems with, uh, and I don't want to speak out of term, but, mm-hmm. you know, the MLS Next, for me, and my opinion, can also restrict the movement of players. So, for me, that is not the correct pathway if you've got a 14 year old that is good enough to play in the 17s play him because he will develop better and develop quicker but if you've got a model that can stop that or you have to play him at his age group you know i'm not i'm not sure i'm quite in agreement with that i think the platform that has been developed here before i got here gives a free pathway for these players and you have to have that you know they have to develop you know you know if you're going to be Playing in a first team at 18, you need to have moved up those levels as quickly as possible and not be restricted. That's my opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I think that's really good. Um, and, and I think a lot of the things you just said, I was, I was, I love what you said about how the United States is as big as Europe and look at how many leagues there are. That, that's something that's not being said enough, I think. I completely agree with that to some extent. Um, because I was going to ask you about, you know, what if someone did this in England? You know, I mean, 
the English get very worked up about changing their their, their FA and, and their structure of things. But um, other than that, imagine if uh, someone came in and just gave a really cheap place for an organization of Premier League teams perhaps to play. And just as academies, how do you view the USL and that MLS D3 League, MLS Next? How would it... What would it look like if that sort of thing happened in England or in Europe? Um, what, in terms of them trying to play against each other or? I don't know. I, I, I guess I don't know exactly how it works in England. So what, what is the difference? Are, does that exist in England at all? You know, something like an MS, MLS third division kind of thing where they have their own. No, not really. like I mean, you yeah. have, so, you know, in Germany, you'll have, you have a model where, Bundesliga clubs can have a team in the third or fourth tier so that they're playing, they're still playing professionally and they're still playing first team football, but those teams can't ever promote above that that level. So they're getting some form of experience in that. In England, that's not allowed. Um, but what we do have is we have a, a cup competition where selected academies can play their under-23s team against a League One team or a League Two team, so they get that experience, um, and it, and it's it's been really good. You know that mm-hmm. that development thing has, has been great, but it you know it's in a cup competition. It, you know it's a it is a very, it's a league format, so it's a bit like the Euros at the moment. You'll have groups yeah. with four teams in, and, and and they get through from that. And that that's people thought it was going to be frowned upon, and you know weren't going to watch it, but it's you know it's been okay because. Fans want to see the next generation of players, you know, mm-hmm. and you have to put a platform in place for them to do that, um, you know. But I, I don't, you know, I don't see it. You know, it's not going to become like the German model where you can actually own a club in in a, in a different league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Thank you for that because um, I didn't know how England works. I had an idea of the German thing, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, let's just end with two a free question and then I got one more to finish us off here. But um, is there anything you want to mention that I, perhaps I didn't bring up that uh, you want to talk about? Uh, no, I think, you know, to be, to be fair, that, you know, there have been good questions that, you know, I've, I've enjoyed answering. You know, I've not been able to um, – probably answer as specifically as, as I might be able to do in a year's time or whatever, but, uh, you know, no, I think it's been, it's been fine. Good, good. And uh, how, uh, let's do some fun ones before I end with uh, my last one here. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a bit worried about the last one. Is it a bad one? Oh, I don't think so. Now it's actually <laughs> slipped in my mind. We'll be good. But uh, no, it's an easy one, actually. It's a, it's a fluff one. But uh, you've been in the U.S. for how long? Uh, during COVID, it sounds like. And, and what's well, that been like so uh, Literally, far? I arrived on the 17th of this month. Oh, wow. Um, and so then, not long. No, and then started work on the, the, the following Monday. So, um, you know, the, we, we, we all arrived as a family on the Thursday. The dog arrived in the middle of the night. You know, <laughs> uh, we're borrowing somebody's house. So you've got... Uh, it's been interesting, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, but listen, it, it, it's great. You know, this is the, the job as I see it is incredibly exciting. And once you've got, you'll, you'll know, if you've got an exciting job, then you do, you go above and beyond to succeed in that job. And, that, and that's how, you know, I feel about this role. Mm-hmm. Love it. Has your family been to Florida before? Oh, they've had no choice, really. Yeah. So, uh, so the kids, I mean, the kids, I've got, you know, 
a nine-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old son, you know, they, they were bouncing around the room, you know, when, when we told them this was happening. Um, That's good. Probably slightly more difficult for the missus because, you know, she was a, a hometown girl that didn't really ever expect to sort of leave England and, you know, well, certainly she didn't expect to leave the area, let alone England, and I've dragged her halfway, <laughs> as far as she's concerned, halfway around the world. But, you know... Um, no, they're they're all they're all incredibly supportive, which is what you need, and and they're excited. So you know, I think we're in a good place. Yeah. Well, thank God you speak the language. That's one benefit, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the weather's not half bad either. Okay, the last one's easy. It is. It sounds like I had no idea you were just so fresh in the United States, and you still you know haven't even met with the board. So just walk us through what is the next step for you. It sounds like you got to propose some ideas maybe before you start acting, huh? Yeah, you know, listen, there's, there's, um, you've got to propose the ideas. You've got to get people excited about those ideas. You've got to provide them with uh, a pathway, a roadmap, you know, and also the education and expertise that they're going to need. Um, you know, I need to analyze each club, you know, from an overachieving and underachieving and why, why not, you know, uh, type of thing see what structures are there so it's um yeah no it's uh, there's a lot there's a lot to do but it's you know in, in i've got it in my head i just need to uh, get it out there into the marketplace absolutely well uh mark thanks for talking to me uh, i've loved picking your brain and i very much look forward to your work in the near future here no my pleasure phil anytime